Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's the full 40. It's Chris and Rob brought to you by Nova Insider. And let's start from the top here by saying we're excited. I don't know how we forgot to mention that last time. Yeah, we went a whole podcast without a we're excited. Big miss. We're sorry. We are so focused on the fact that we needed to get back into this. It's been three months because... We were all moving and shit like that. And speaking of which, yes, we're podcasting from Rob's Brooklyn apartment. Here it is. First so, Brooklyn podcast. So we are in crazy Warby Parker glasses, being all hipster. Dude, Warby Parker's not Brooklyn. crazy. You sound so old. I am trying to be old. Yeah, you're definitely trying to be old. All right. Anyway. And, 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 and I will preface this podcast with... We had a bit of a technical delay. The technical delay resulted in us having a couple more whiskeys than we planned on prior to the podcast. So, a warning to all of our listeners. Right. We're drunk. We're in Brooklyn. It's going to get weird. I love it. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. So, first things first. Army. Yes. Takeaways. Well, I mean, Army is basically Kansas. So pencil us into the final four. Right, because I'm all in. We blew out Army by 40 points, so that means, of course, that this team is easily a second weekend team, probably a third weekend team, definitely national title contender. I'm going to be disappointed if we're not in the finals. Full stop. There it is. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. There we go. Okay, in all seriousness, before we get there, there's a lot of positive things to focus on from the Army game. We were pumped. Someone commented on Twitter that watching the my Instagram, I mean my Twitter feed during the game was much different than the podcast that they listened to. Mm. And I get that. I was very excited watching the game. I'm excited in general about Villanova, but that game was cathartic was actually the way I actually put that. Yeah. And and to be clear, what that listener was alluding to is the fact that on our last podcast, the name of the podcast was, I think, Check Your Expectations, something to that effect, right? right. Where we were pushing the theme of, hey, this team's going to take a bit to figure out who they are and to gel. And you can easily watch the Army game and start jumping to the conclusion of, oh, we figured it out. We know This team's great. The ceiling is high. We're ready to go. And let's start there. Yeah. Let's start there because I think that there are some takeaways. Some, Yeah. Some big takeaways. First off, Jeremiah Robinson, holy shit, Earl. Yes. Because this dude is the real fucking deal. He is as advertised or better than advertised. Yeah. He looks like he knows what he's doing on the court. Yeah. This dude is unbelievable. Getting offensive rebounds, rebounds all over the place. Double-double in his first game. First freshman to do that under, like, Jay Wright, like, ever. And he was incredible. Absolutely incredible in game one. He worked it inside. He was able to step outside, very comfortable with that mid-range jumper, knock down a couple of those, a couple of those, 
my favorite play of his was on some, I can't remember whose free throw it was. Somebody's free throw. He's boxing out. He does a spin around, literally on the back of the army guy, gathers the offensive rebound and puts it back up. It was. Yeah. And the other thing that impressed me about him, and I think we said this actually in our preview episode, season preview episode, was that is that he already comes across as mature. He already comes across as like a known entity. He played. Yes, he played young. It was nice to see him, whatever. But he played like an experienced guy. He played like he's been in the program. Absolutely. That was the biggest takeaway for me is there was one time, and I tweeted about, like, I feel like Jay already trusts this kid like an upperclassman. There was one moment where I saw they were coming out of a timeout and the guys were huddled together, something on offense or whatever. And it was where you would usually see an Archie Diacono or a Brunson or a Hart or some other guy who's seasoned, program guy, Booth, Pascal, whatever. Where you normally see that. No, it was JRE who turned around out of the huddle to receive the call from Jay. Interesting. To go back into the huddle. Huh. And it was just a momentary thing yeah, that yeah. I caught. And I immediately tweeted out that I feel like Jay already trusts this guy like yeah, a four yeah. general. And I really get that sense from him. The kid just comes across like way beyond his years. I can tell you way beyond where I was as a freshman or a sophomore, junior, or senior. Yeah. Well, I think for me, it was it was all about people talk about the speed of the game being different, right? Once you enter college, the speed of the game is different. Once you enter the NBA, the speed of the game is different. Again, we're playing Army, but he looked very comfortable with the way things were coming yeah. at him. As if, yes, I've been doing this for years. No big deal. This is just the next logical yep. step for yep. him. So JRE was my biggest takeaway. Lucky. The second biggest takeaway was there did seem to be more chemistry from this team than I would have expected mm-hmm. watching game one of a team with a lot of new pieces. Yeah. And we mean new pieces. JRE obviously being one of them. You also have Justin Moore who was seeing considerable minutes. But also you think about the fact that Slater was played a significant portion of the played game. Played 20 minutes, yeah. And he was not a factor on last year's team. Like, right. like he played occasionally, but we talked about this at length last year. There was an approach for him to redshirt, and he said, I'm not redshirting. <laughs> he said no, yeah. And he said no. And he wasn't mad about it. Yeah. He just... Just a matter of fact. Yeah. I'm not going to wrap. Gonna, I only want to be in college for four years. Yeah, that's fine. So, But, but I, I like the chemistry point. One thing that came across to me, and we talked a little bit about this um, amongst a couple of folks we were, we were chatting with, is this idea that last year you knew the guys were Phil and Eric. And everything went through Phil and Eric. Those were the pinnacles of the offense. And if those things weren't working, it was a bit of a question mark. And with this team, as we talked about last time, there's not necessarily a guy that is the anointed, yes, this is our number one option. And I think that's that got reflected in what you're referring to as the chemistry. Like, there's a lot of free flowing here. People are stepping up. Yes, JRE was awesome, and he will likely be a focal point of the offense. But other people were stepping up, and it seemed as if the team was coming together and people were all willing to chip in and ready to chip in, which is super exciting. The team looked like, and maybe this is the best way to say it, we all know this concept of, quote-unquote, Villanova basketball. 
Tell me more, Chris. <laughs> no, no one can tell us more because Villanova basketball just encompasses any good thing that ever happened. It's 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 terrific. We, we just got out there and played Villanova basketball. Played a full forty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, whatever that je ne sais quoi of Villanova basketball is. Whoa! All right, all right. Yeah, whatever it is. Well, Rob broke out the Woodford Reserve today, so. <laughs> So I got to be, you know, I got to up my game. But that being said, you, you do you, Chris. You yeah. do you. Whatever, whatever <laughs> there is to that Villanova basketball thing, I think that the fan base, what the fan base felt, if I'm reading between the lines on Twitter, was that this team was playing Villanova basketball earlier than they would have expected them mm, to be playing Villanova mm. basketball. That means sharing the ball, playing hard nosed defense, getting on the glass. All of those things seem to be happening in the game in a way in which we wouldn't have expected early on. Yeah, and I, I love the the personification of Villanova basketball was the diving on the floor and Samuels had yeah. almost just replicating the Dwayne Anderson play from he is, from 09. He is, oh. he, he, the fact that Dwayne Anderson's on the coaching staff and Jermaine Samuels is there, it's Amazing! I don't, to we, see we've that talked about it before. We've yeah. talked about it at length that Jermaine Samuels has the ability to be a rich man's Dwayne Anderson. Yes, and, yes, yes. And yes. like he made a Dwayne Anderson play, and it's just another moment where we can point to Jermaine Samuels being that kind of guy. Totally. Um, final takeaway from the game was Sadiq Bay, who, as I said, played like a guy who could be an All American type player. And also, at the same time, not an all-disease type player. <laughs> yeah. Sadiq Bey is on track to become a, uh, a Wooden Award winner at this point. Because he was, he was literally nominated as a preseason Wooden Award watch list. So, like, one of the top 50 players in the country. But, again, did not make any of the preseason teams. Not one of the top teams. 12 to 15 just, players un- Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. No, no, Sadiq played well. And, and look, I, I don't know, you, you jumped a final takeaway. There were a couple other takeaways I, I had from the team. But Sadiq was great. He was efficient from the field. I think he was 9-14, of 14, which is also what JRE was. Um, so the guys that you expected to chip in are definitely chipping in there, which is great. Um, some of the other things that I really liked, Justin Moore. Yeah. Looked, yeah. Looked, Justin Moore was next on my list. He, he, yeah. didn't have, he didn't have a great shooting night by any means. But he looked very confident, very comfortable with the ball. When the ball was in his hands and he was the primary ball handler, I have no issue. I'm totally good with that. This may be because he wears the number five, but does he have a little Phil Booth to him? I like in a weird okay, way. I see what you're getting. He at. has that like athleticism and also like I don't know how to say it. Like Booth had this like herky jerkiness about him. Like like I feel like Justin Moore has a little bit of that game. He also has a little bit of an old man, like tough it out, grind it out type of style. Like I don't know why, but it felt like Justin Moore. I was watching a younger Phil Booth. I mean, we'll we'll see we'll see if it if it pans out because I mean Phil's like kind of more of like a natural off ball guard, right? He's like kind of a natural two, but can break people down, can shoot the ball. Justin Moore kind of seems to have a, a little bit of that same game. Ideally, can shoot the ball a little bit better than he has, you know, in the scrimmage and, and in this one. But um, yeah, very comfortable with him. the The other thing that we we started getting into to lead off the show was this idea of of expectations. So look, it's easy to look at this game and say, "Hey, 
we blew them out and the team chemistry looked great like what we talked about the freshmen were better than we expected chris and rob you guys are crazy and don't get me wrong i watched the game i was excited i was excited yeah before you get there yeah like we do we did just to reiterate one more time when we were talking our expectations yeah. for the season on our season preview podcast, we talked about the fact that our expectations were, look, this team's got to make the tournament. And after that, we'd be happy because everything else after that was gravy. Sure. And that was where we were at going into the season. Yeah. And we said that was based on youth, based on the fact that we lost our two best players from last year. To the yeah. NBA and to the pros, etc. Question marks, sure. A lot of question marks. That's where we set our expectations. Yes. Also, a little bit based on Brian Antoine, which we'll get to. Right, right, yeah. right. Because there's some news this week. Sure. So what Rob's referencing is, Chris and Rob, you guys are crazy because I just watched that team play Army and the way they played and the way they looked. You guys are nuts for thinking this is like just be happy to make the tournament. Yeah. Right, and. Here's, I think we need to just level set a bit. Yeah. In any given year, I will tell you, a good Villanova basketball year is making the Sweet 16. Yeah. That I think that Villanova is a top 15 program in the country. Of late, clearly a top 5, 10 program in the country. And, and to be clear, we, we actually did a bit of an analysis on this last year, if you listened, where we kind of broke down, like, what's an average J. Wright season? And, it, yeah. you know, it's it kind of coming out around. Round so of 32 is an average yeah. J. Wright season, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. But, like, there are plenty of years in there where he should have done better. Point being, yeah. Yeah. So, so I what I say is, like, round of... 16, Sweet 16, sure. is where I say, okay, that's the dividing line between a good Villanova year and a less than good Villanova year. Yeah. This team, I said, should make the tournament. And beyond that, I'm going to leave my expectations at the door. Yeah. Why I say that is because of the youth. That a team that can look this good, that has this high of a ceiling, but is this young, could also have a really low floor. Yeah. And Army... We have to keep in perspective as to what we were what we were seeing. They're not a good team. No, they're not a good team. Army was projected to finish sixth in the Patriot. League. In the Patriot. Teams that were projected to finish ahead of them include Bucknell, Colgate. Uh, the superpower of Colgate. Boston University. Like yeah. so, so point being, look, you and I both watched the game. We felt better than we anticipated. Having into watched it. that game. Yeah. Like I feel, I feel good about the team. I feel good about the chemistry, but still very much trying to keep the expectations in check here and be real that this is Army. The better test, which we're going to get to in the second half of the podcast, is this week against Ohio State. Yeah. Going to so, be a much more indicative view of how things are. Two teasers for the second half of the podcast. One, we're coming when we come back from break, which is not for a bit, but when we come back from break, we're gonna talk mailbag. And after that we're gonna talk Ohio State predictions, expectations, preview. So two teasers there, but yeah. one thing I wanna tease earlier is one question that we got a couple of times is when do you guys reset your expectations? Yeah, it's a good question. And from a, a higher perspective in this case. Yeah, so, so when yeah. do we when do we shift upwards and say, Hey, this should actually be a second weekend team? Yeah. Yeah. The answer is, we're not there, and we're not going to be there for a while. I don't actually think that I'm going to get to an up, upshift in expectations 
in the month of November. Now, Definitely. if we go out and blow out Ohio State, would I upshift my expectations a little bit? Yeah, maybe I might say we're still a. I still want us to make the tournament. Still, ex- then I might expect us to get a game into the tournament. Yeah. But before I get there, I am just gonna. I'm not moving my expectations based off of beating Army. So, so he, here's here's I want to put in perspective, right? So, on the same night that we played Army, they had the I think it's called the Champions Classic, right? Where you had Duke play Kansas and you had Michigan State play Kentucky, right? Because of all their championships. Because of all their championships in the recent years, right? Yeah. So you basically had teams number are ranked one through four in the country, and if you watched the the Duke Kansas game in particular, um, was terrible. To watch. Oh, a horrible! Game. It was disgusting. Yeah. So, so if I'm if I'm a Duke fan or if I'm Coach K, right? I look at that game and I say, look, Duke won. I probably come away from that and say, hey, look, guys, you won. It was terrible. Does that necessarily shift my expectations? Probably not, because you eked out a win, and that's kind of how I'm approaching it from a Villanova fan's perspective for this Ohio State game that we have coming up this week. And what I mean by that is, look, if we go out and we blow out Ohio State, who's ranked number 18-ish or so in the country, if we blow them out by 30, then I start to say, hmm, okay, maybe our upside's a little bit higher. If we beat them by 5, even 10, I'm going to say, okay, like, that's great. That's a nice win. Shows we can compete with some actually good talent in the country. If we lose by 5, 10, I'm going to say, yeah, okay, it's fine. as we talked about in our first podcast, this team is still figuring out who they are. So that doesn't concern me too much. If we go out and we lose by 20, I'm going to say, mm, okay, like we, we got more, maybe more questions than we thought we did coming yeah. in. But, but point being, like even with Ohio State coming up, don't read into it too much. I think by the time we get to Kansas, which is going to be in mid to late December, and we've got 10, 11 games under our belt— then you can start reading into it a little bit more because this team's identity will start to come into focus. And you can start to say, great, we know kind of who the rotation players are. We know kind of what role people are taking. And then I can pinpoint certain lessons. Game two, it's early. It's early. It's early. And there are so many questions around this team and the roles people are going to be playing. So we're hoping for the best, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But don't be too concerned and don't be too bullish if we beat Ohio State. Unless we beat them by 40. If we beat them by 40, by all means, like, Go let's, let's get pumped. Let's get pumped. Yeah. I mean, we're pumped no matter what. We're always pumped for Villanova. We are basketball. always excited, yes. The And definitely come back to us and be like, hey, Chris and Rob, I think you guys are totally off. We've been off before. The one thing I, we did I want to be off. I want to be off. I would love to, to be, be clear. Yeah. Just to be clear, when I say I'm happy if we make the tournament, which means that I'm expecting a first weekend team, Please, if this team can prove me wrong, I would be absolutely a pig in shit if this team <laughs> proves me wrong. That's true. I That's will true. enjoy being wrong all the way to the national championship. Yeah. What I will say, this team, what game one did for me was say that the high side, that the ceiling side expectation yeah. is higher for me than it was prior. I think that's fair. To the game. I think that's fair. So, so... My expectations of, of okay, if this team achieves everything that they wanted to, where I would have thought maybe an Elite Eight run was possible, I do think that there is an upside 
that where everything goes right and this team just all comes together and it plays Villanova J Wright sure. basketball. Could this team make the final weekend of the tournament and threaten to win a national championship? Yeah, I would say that if there's anything that it told me, like, yeah, I think that the high side expectations are up, but my overall expectations have not shifted. And, and again, we're taking this off of a sample size of one. One. Basically a glorified scrimmage. So that's our message. I think those are pretty much our key takeaways from the game. We're yeah. excited about it. We feel great about what we saw in game one, but expectations still broadly in line with what we had before. All right. So we're at just above 20 minutes. Yeah. And I think that the next play is to talk heart monitor because we have like a great great week we have a few minute heart monitor segment this week which you didn't expect to have yeah um and then we have our mailbag and our ohio state preview but we can't get any of those done before our break yeah so let's talk heart monitor now okay can i lead this one off you do it so this heart monitor revolves a little bit around me this week yeah um, for two Rob reasons. played in the NBA. I did. I got the call up. I was pretty excited. MJ gave me a call. He's like, hey, man, the Hornets suck. We need somebody who's really short and really <laughs> not good at basketball. So come on in. I was like, I got you, MJ. No problem. Um, but no, no. Uh, so, so two anecdotes I've got from, from the Zook. Should we start with Eric or Josh? Start with you because it's, you made it about you. So okay. Talk or, about or, you. Or we'll make it about me. So, so I'll start with the short one first. So... Short one is, like I mentioned, um, just moved into this new apartment in Brooklyn. It's awesome. Um, I'm obviously not a Brooklyn Nets fan, but now that I live in Brooklyn, I had to go to Best Buy and get a TV for my new apartment. So, Which Rob has a dope TV. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It's like a, uh, what our friend Sandra called it, a suburban TV. It's pretty big. Yeah. We like it. Um, but anyway, so. Make it um, up for something. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Exactly. So anyway, so the other night, um, my wife and I were like, all right, we're going to Best Buy tonight. Um, we're going to get a TV because we got to have it set up for the Nova game this week. So we go over, uh, we get off the subway, and we're like, oh, well, Best Buy is literally right across the street from Barclays Center. So we look up, we're like, oh, I wonder, uh, wonder who the Nets are playing. Turns out they're playing the Pelicans. So we're like, well, you know what? Let's, we don't really need a TV right now. Like, how much are tickets? So we look it up, get in the door price, not even just get in the door price, get in the door for like a decent seat, it was 25 bucks. So Nicole and I paid $25 a seat for basically center court, upper deck, to go watch Josh play the Nets. And we're like, you know what? We're here, Josh is here. How many games are there gonna be? So we pulled the trigger, it was awesome. So anyway, that was our dinner. Went out, watched Josh. His first half was terrible. <laughs> he looked atrocious. Terrible. <laughs> it was so bad. I felt I felt kind of bad that we actually went. I was like, oh God, like maybe we're jinxing him. That said, he picked it up in the second half. Josh has been a little bit up and down. He actually had a horrendous night last night for the Nets. But that said, it was fun to see him play. He did he did exemplify like a couple like Nova plays, like real hustle. Um, did knock down some big threes in the Nets game. They ended up losing, but we had a good time seeing it. So we keep an eye on Josh. It was fun to see him, see him in person. We obviously did not chat because uh, Josh doesn't return my text messages. It's, it's really unfortunate, but it is what it is. Um, anyway, so that was uh, that was Josh. That was about me. So, so Pascal, Pascal, Pascal is the big 
Villanova NBA story from this past week. Huge. And all the dude has done is get buckets. Unreal. And it's been absolutely crazy. Yeah. Because I think it was exemplified by the ESPN on NBA on ESPN teaser for the Warriors Rockets game, which in any other world would have been like Curry or Clay Thompson or Draymond Green and, 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 and NBA, James NBA Instagram, Harden. NBA Instagram, NBA it Instagram. Yeah. It was the the official, literally the official, official NBA Instagram. Yes. Was literally like, see the Warriors versus the Rockets. And it was James Harden and Eric Pascal. Uh, like, amazing. <laughs> I was dying. I was dying. <laughs> like, in in Eric's best case scenario in his head, in no way no, no, would he have no, ever imagined that no, to no, be the case. Absolutely not. Unreal. So, what does Eric Pascal do this week but score like a... Com- a combined like hundred points or something crazy in like three or four games of play, highlighted by like a thirty-four point absolute mammoth game. Yeah, against the Blazers. Yeah, which where they are pulled a great out. Team. Where, yeah, they're a great team. A lot of people's pick to potentially come out of the West, and he has thirty-four points. Just on his birthday. On his birthday. Yes. And just absolutely looked incredible. So much so that Steve Kerr in the press conference, the first question out was like, what do you guys say about Eric Pascal?" <laughs> and he was like, well, the only person who could hold Eric Pascal under 20 points in college was Jay Wright. <laughs> it's phenomenal. Which absolutely is phenomenal. a terrific quote. And I want to talk a little bit about this very briefly. Um, but there was a great article in The Athletic where they went to Jay and they said, what do you guys say about Pascal? Because he had this week in which people are already saying he's a front runner for Rookie of the Year. Which is unreal, by the way. Yeah. Like, the, the Rookie of the Year award was destined to go to Zion. And it still is destined it, it, to go It to still Zion. is. Though I will say, the people on Reddit are all about Pascal. Pascal for Rookie of the Year. Yeah. Like, they're all on board. Yeah. They're all more than Pascal. So they go back to they go back to Jay and they're like, what do you make of this incredible first week plus of regular season basketball from Eric Pascal? And Jay was just like, Look, we knew he was a bucket getter in college. He got triple teamed all year last year. It was impossible. He was bigger and physically more imposing than everyone, so he didn't get calls that he should have gotten, etc. He was knocking guys down, getting offensive offensive fouls called when it should have been a foul on the defense, etc. And he was just basically like, we knew Eric had this in him this entire time, and he's been nothing but an exemplary pro-level guy for several years now. So really interesting article on that. Another side bit, though, was they asked him about Steve Kerr, and Jay had a lot to say about Jay's time in the USA basketball squad Mm, working with Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr with the USA team that played FIBA, yeah, the FIBA World Cup this year, and learning and working with those guys, etc. And one funny anecdote that I got to that to wrap out wrap up the heart monitor was that um, Jay was talking about Steve Kerr and was talking about the fact that a guy would miss a defensive assignment, make a bad play in the NBA, etc. And Jay would start to get up and start yelling at the guy and being like, 
let's go. You got to go. Let's go. Come on. You got to do that. Whatever. And Steve Kerr would be like, dude, take it easy. <laughs> like these guys That's are awesome. These guys are professionals. <laughs> like you don't talk about that. And I first. These are not kids. And yeah. my first immediate reaction was like, oh, these NBA like guys, they just don't want to be coached, blah, 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 whatever. But then I was thinking about it. It was like, who likes to be yelled at yeah. in their professional life. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Right? Like yeah, if, if you my, go to your job. If I go to my right. job and my boss just screams in my face, like yeah. I'm gonna be like, F you dude. Yeah. Like, Sorry man. Like, no. Like I'm all for learning, I'm all for coaching. Right. But like do so in a professional manner. I'm a professional, you're a professional, we're right. all getting paid for this. Yeah, I've earned this level. Yeah. Be a professional about coaching me. That's an interesting point, I thought. Yeah, I, and I had never thought about it that way before. It was always very much like, I don't know, I think about those coach-player relationships in the same way I thought about them in high school because that was the pinnacle of my athletic career, right? And it was, yeah, you're getting yelled at by this old dude who I guess he probably knows more than me, and I assumed it continued like that. And Probably a lot of people do assume it continues like that. But yeah, that's a really interesting insight, I thought. Yeah. So anyway, to wrap up the heart monitor... Eric is kind of the face of the Warriors right now. D'Angelo Russell just came back, so he'll take a little bit more of that mantle. And that dude just dropped 50 the other day, which is awesome. Um, but keep an eye on Eric. He's going to be playing a key That's crazy. He's going to be playing a key role for the Warriors. For a while. And yeah. then, oh, by the way, Omari Spellman's on that team too. And Omari's actually been playing very efficiently and very well the past few games too. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of cool stuff. Um I think that's really the highlight of the heart monitor. Kyle Lowry just is out for two weeks at this point. But I think those are the big things we want to highlight right now. Yeah. So with that, we're going to take a minute pause here yep. from Nova Insider. And then we're going to come back and go to our mailbag. Hello, everyone. It's Chris from The Full 40 with Chris and Rob, brought to you by Nova Insider. Nova Insider is the best place to go. For all things related to Villanova basketball news. Check them out on Instagram and on Twitter. I'm telling you, it's the best place to go if you're looking for inside Nova info. Also, don't forget to check out their website, Nova Insider 1985-1985.com for some seriously awesome gear. Stay with these guys. They got some really exciting stuff coming out. Again, this is the Full 40 with Chris and Rob, brought to you by Nova Insider. And now let's get back to the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Full 40, Chris and Rob, Nova Insider. Let's do it. Second half of the podcast. Indeed. All right. We said mailbag first, but we actually want to hit two quick things. First, Shaq Fit Man Play of the Week, and then the Alpha Dog of the week. Arf, arf. Arf, arf. As, as it is. We're bringing it back from last season. It was a big We're fan favorite. In. It was a fan favorite. We got a lot of positive <laughs> feedback on it. Our parents really liked it. <laughs> um, that being said, Shaq Fit Man Play of the Week. Yeah. We talked about it before. We hinted at it. Jermaine Dives. It was a team man play of yes. the week. Jermaine Dives knocks out the ball. Outlet pass to JRE. JRE, with the stuff, is option one. Mm. Option two is Sadiq Bay drive down the lane. Fucking absolutely drops the hammer. Gets like spun, spun around. around. Yeah, yeah. No call. No call. Yep. Gets back on D. 
What's your What's your call? I'm going with option two. I I'm think, going with option two. Yeah, I, as much as I thought that there was a that was a, such a villain of a basketball play was the dive, the knockout, the outlet pass, and the Jerry stuff. Yeah, like I loved the Sadiq Bay attack the rim. Yeah, get up, drop that hammer, get knocked, not complain, and get back on defense. I mean, we didn't name it the team play of the week. We named it the man play of the week. That's the man play of the week. It's got to be. I'm in. All right. All right. That's one. Arf, then arf. the Arf Arf Alpha Dog of the week. Yeah. Jeremiah Robinson, girl. He might win it a lot this year. Has to be. He might win it a lot this year. Sadiq's got to jump up and show what he's got. Yeah. Not that Sadiq had a bad game. No, no, no. Not at all. Jermaine Samuels also could be an RFR alpha dog in many occasions, and this team will be at his best when he's getting up there and making those as we talked about RFR alpha dog type plays. Yeah, but Jerry gets it. But Jerry gets it. Hands down, freshman, twenty four and thirteen, absolutely freaking dope. My goodness. Oh my goodness. Fan me. That is. That's that's goodness. Yeah, he was awesome. Yikes! All right, love it. All right, next up. We talked about the mailbag. This is a first for the full 40. But we're committed to constantly reinventing ourselves so that we can bring you the best wow. podcast ever. That's right. Yeah. That's our goal. The best podcast ever. Ever. And with one shining pod, gone. We are taking the mantle. We, we're doing God's work you here. Know, you know, we thought about expanding into all of college basketball. We're like, you know what? We'll keep it sharp. We'll keep it focused for the fan base, and we'll just. As far as I'm concerned, Villanova is all of college. That's totally true. Yeah, that's totally true. All right. So we asked on Instagram, on Twitter, and if you don't follow us, we're at the full forty on both platforms, so you can find us easy. Um, We asked people for questions. We got some interesting ones, so we're going to run through them. Okay. The first question that we got was recruiting. (laughs) <laughs> there was no question. What interns are you bringing in for PwC this yeah. year? <laughs> so recruiting is interesting. I you know, sometimes do interviews for PwC. <laughs> Here's what we know. We don't have a lot signed up for next year. We have the no year one after signed yet. up. Right. We have no one. Right. Which we have a lot of leads. I think a lot of people are looking to see how the early season plays out. We're going to get a good recruiting class. We'll be fine. I was going to say, what you just brought up is actually interesting because the past couple years we have had people sign early. So, for instance, Eric Dixon actually signed right after or committed right after we won the championship. So, in the springtime, which is great. And then we got... Justin Moore slowly followed thereafter. Right. So, so Robinson Earl didn't commit until mid-season and then Antoine the same thing. Right. So, so, so... Point being, though, we are relatively a little bit behind where we typically are at this point. Yeah. But that being said, unique circumstances we've talked about before. We have a young squad. Do we expect to have some pros after this year? Yeah. I would think between Robinson Earl and Antoine, which we'll get to, and um, Bay that one of those three or two of those three or best case scenario, three of those right. three end up as pros next but, year. But, but the point is actually that we probably actually don't have that many, I have to check the numbers, we probably don't have that many scholarships available as it is. No, not a ton. So it's not, it's not as if we're graduating four to five folks and we need to fill those spots. Yeah. So 
something to keep in mind. Next question we got was your thoughts on the freshman players. We saw two. We had high praise for Robinson Earl and yep. Moore. We're going to put those aside because we've already talked at length about the two of them. Uh, let's touch on Dixon. Didn't play. Didn't play. DNP. I think clear sign because everyone else got playing time. I think it's a clear sign. He's redshirting. I think so. He's redshirting. I don't have a problem with that. I thought he could be a contributor this year, but I think Jay likes the idea of getting him a year of Shaq fit programming, keeping him on the keeping him benched for the games, but having him be a, a force in practice, developing his footwork, developing his shooting, and all of that. And, and I think that he will be additive to the team in that shape this year. And, and what we alluded to, and I think we talked about a little bit last time as well, our team is a bit bigger this year. And we actually have some depth at the four and the five, which is, you know, we're not used to actually. So in this case, as we sit here today with our current non-injury situation for the most part, we're actually in decent shape at the four or five without Eric Dixon. Yeah. Unusual. Unusual. Shocking. Yeah. Um, we did get a couple questions on Brian Antoine. Which is also another freshman. Which so. is another freshman. So let's get let's get at that. Yeah. So the big news yeah. for the week was that he is cleared for all basketball activities. All of them. It's great. He could dribble. He could pass. He could <laughs> shoot. He could do all the basketball activities. Yeah, right? He's actually only allowed to pass. Only pass. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be amazing. When I hear he's cleared for all basketball activities and I've seen videos of him shooting before, I'm like, what basketball activity? <laughs> no passing, uh, only now shooting. Now he can dribble around cones, so <laughs> yeah. we're good. Oh, um, in all seriousness, he's all cleared. He's going to practice with the team starting this week. Jay on Twitter lauded his focus in getting back into shape and doing all the things he need to do to be a Villanova basketball player, etc., which is a good sign. Yeah. Because Jay doesn't usually... Jay embellishes but doesn't lie. I think that's fair. On yeah. his feed. He doesn't yeah. lie and say incorrect things. Right, right. So Jay lauded the accomplishment of, of Brian getting himself back into being able to be cleared and yeah, doing he, all the right things. He was never like, yeah, Javon Quinnelly's effort is spot on. No, he never <laughs> said that last year. So, so anyway, the question is... Where do you guys get back to with Antoine? And what is going to be in our expectations? And we said, which may go, may be an infamous prediction by the end of this year, and I hope it is, is we said we have zero expectations for Brian Antoine this year. That's what we said in the last podcast. Just to fact check ourselves. We said it. Where do I sit now? Because originally the timetable for return was mid-December. Yeah. We thought, okay, after mid-December, then he's going to take some time to get back in the basketball shape. And so my expectations were very minimal. Yeah. I would admit that my expectations have shifted a bit. And that I now expect things out of Brian Antoine this season. Mm. More than zero. A non-zero yeah, yeah, yeah. expectation. Which, getting back to my comment about the team, increases the team's ceiling. Fair. Yeah. I still don't know what to expect from him in terms of on-the-court contribution, player, etc., this, that, and the other thing. Now, desperately need depth at the guard position. And what, if anything, 
was proven to me was that Gillespie went down late in the game. He's fine, just has a bruised hand. But anything that proved to me in that moment was like, holy fuck, we cannot afford to have one guard yeah. on this team. Because Chris Archidiakono, who is the other freshman on the team, is a nice piece to have. I'm sure he's a great team guy, etc. But he's not at this moment. He's not right. Right. He's not a Big East caliber guy right now. And that's not a knock on him. Yep. So so, so I think given all that, um, you know, I'm still going to play. I'm still not... I'm still not going to go aggressive on it because yes, he's been cleared for all basketball activities. I think I think this is a top twenty recruit. This is top fifteen recruit. Absolutely, no, no. So I think what's my guess, and again, I'm guessing. I have no inside information on this. I have a feeling he's going to get eased back into this. I think my prediction on the last podcast was that he would not play until after the new year. At this point. It's looking, based on the fact that he is clear for basketball activities, most likely he will play before the new year. Yeah. That said, he his impact may be, you know, maybe it's more limited prior to the new year. So I'm not going to totally revise my prediction. I think his impact will still be more limited, and it'll grow as the season goes on. I'm absolutely happy to be totally wrong on this, and, you know, we'll see. I, I guess over the next five or six games, he gets eased back in, and hopefully his workload increases pretty yeah. quickly. Yeah. I think we'll see him in a legitimate context in December. In December, yeah. I, hopefully like, by Kansas. A legitimate context. Be, now, that doesn't great. mean that he's going to be a starter, massive contributor. I think that he'll be on the off the bench contributing – an element of points, an element of minutes, an element of assists off the bench to give a blow to Moore and Gillespie. Now, what I think could happen end of year if that takes place in December is that by February he could be unseating He's the guy. Yeah, Gillespie or Antoine. I don't think he'll unseat no, Gillespie. No, no, no. Gillespie's the one. Yeah. He, if anything, he unseats more. Yeah. yeah. So I think that'll be the case. Yeah. Okay, Okay. so I have higher expectations, so that's fair. Um, Okay, next question that we got was men's hockey. Um, Yes. I'm going to assume that the question is, do we like it? Sure. And, yeah, I I don't have any problem with men's hockey. I'm a bigger fan of playoff hockey than I am of non-playoff hockey. Yeah, playoff hockey is great. I'm from Pittsburgh. Hockey's, like, pretty big in Pittsburgh. I can't say I'm a big hockey guy. But I enjoy Sidney Crosby and the Stanley Cups he's won. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. That's my mental. Our friend, J.D., who was on the podcast, was on the um, club hockey team. Yeah, for a couple years. For a couple years. So that's something. That's something. So so I I guess the answer to the question is yes. Yes. Men's hockey. The question was men's hockey, and I guess our answer is yes. Yes. Cool. Next. Okay, cool. Great. Uh, the team expectation versus reality, we already touched on that. I think we checked on that, yeah. A couple of Antoine questions we talked about. How the pace of the offense this year has changed dramatically over last year. This is really hard. It's like, a game. We played one game versus Army. I, I, I just don't think that there's enough of a sample size to really get at right now. Yes, I enjoyed watching the pacing of this team. It did seem more fluid. It did seem a little bit low. Like... Um, light and easy and fun as opposed to the 
prodding team that we saw last year. So that's fine. But yeah, it's too much to. It's it's too early. Too early to tell. Yeah. We'll answer that question later. And final question that we got from Instagram was, "What does Quinterly think when he sees the new five stars getting twenty plus minutes?" Which that's a hell of a that's loaded. That's that's very loaded. But also not unfair. Not unfair. And we hoped last year that Quinterly stayed with the program. He applied for a hardship waiver. Didn't get it. Didn't get it from the NCAA. He's appealing it. I've heard no news on it. I don't think he's going to get it. I don't think he's going to get it. He made a mistake. He made a mistake. If I had to be honest with you, I think Quinterly made a mistake. And I think think this year's team, I'm not sure. This this year's team played like they had no baggage in game Mm. one. And maybe the lack of Quinterly is part of that. I don't know. Could be. But the fact that all the guys seem to... Like, he had his birthday recently, and all the guys wished him, like, a happy birthday. Like, everyone from last year's yeah. team seems to still be all tight with him. Yeah. Makes me think that Quinterly was actually not a bad guy in the locker room. It seems like it, yeah. So so he just didn't get along with the coaching staff and then decided that he was going to move on and wanted to go to a place where he would get more guaranteed PT. And I think he made a mistake. Seems to be he's going to get guaranteed zero PT this year. At this yeah, rate. and Quinnell is an older kid. So this is not a situation that he wants to be in right now. No, absolutely. All right, enough JQ. All right, so we're going over to Twitter. We got a question. Uh, how long until you re-reset expectations? Already covered that. We had another question. Said, Why didn't Joe Cremo play more last season? I think we all. I think we all. Terrible. I think we all know the answer to that. He's terrible. Then I. Then we got a question, and I linked this one. I think we should play this one out for a bit. Who would win in a fight? Twenty DCRs or the comment section on view hoops? It's an interesting question. So, so, all right, so let's entertain. I was I was trying to push Chris into like, all right, let's get into a high state no, break, but no. I'll, I'll entertain this. question. No, we're entertaining this question because our break was like ten minutes long in like actuality, all not right, edible right, time. Right. So we're actually not that far into the podcast right now. All right, so twenty DCRs or the comment section of VU hoops. I, I what. In, so, in what context? So, so well, let's, does the comment section of you hoops turn into a robot? I think let's pick a context. So I guess this is like kind of in like maybe it's a fight. Let's assume it's a fight. It's a fist fight. Then it's, how, a fist, it's a fist fight. Now does the comment section win? So I'll say this. I feel like you get twenty DCRs. You've got you basically have a lot of height, a lot of lankiness. Yeah. For the most part, an increasing amount of strength. But what the comment section of VU Hoops brings is the masses. And you've got a lot of people, and it's kind of incessant cutting, right? So this is kind of your classic, like, a few big things versus a lot of little things. And frankly, the, um, I don't know, the persistence and that, that drive of the VU Hoops comment section, I might give it to them. I think they're a little bit more nimble. I think they get at, at the DCRs and they, they chop them down. I think they chop them down. Well, I think the VU Hoops comment section does do a lot of chopping. They do a lot of chopping. A lot of chopping down. Chop, chop, Probably chop. too much, so. Yeah, sorry. We, we don't need a punch. But, yeah. but DCR is the kind of guy who, he's, he's a team player, okay? He's a, he's a role player. He's accepted his role. Yo, this is a fight. This isn't a team environment. No, no, I get that. But 
there's 20 of them, so they can act as a team. Okay, okay. Okay? They're positive. They keep with it. They understand their role. Mm. They all play mm. together. Mm. They play tough. They're doing their best out there. And I don't know. First is 20 DCR. I'm taking 20 DCRs. All right. I guess I agree to disagree on this one. Yeah. Okay. It's a good question. We'll toss it to you, our <laughs> listeners. Who wins in a fight? 20 DCRs or the VU Hoops comment there section? There you go. Speaking of VU Hoops, Brendan Riley asked a question. Who finishes the season with the most man jams? Ooh. And the poll was... He asked Samuels, Bay, or Robinson Earl. I'm going to go with not Robinson Earl. I don't think Robinson Earl is a, I, like as much as I love him. I don't think he's going to be a man he's jam. He's not a type. man jam guy. Yeah, I'm I think the question. Already. I think it's a Bay Samuels conversation here, and I'm still going with Samuels. You know, I think you're right. Simply because Samuels fucking goes for it. Yes. Every opportunity he has, he's like, oh, yeah, putting this on a poster. Yeah. Forget about it. Yeah. And I think just the, the sheer number of attempts and the conversion rate is going to be enough to give him the win over Bay. Yep. All right. We're down to two more questions, and we're going to hit them both, despite what Rob wants. Oh, God. One, first one is, will Jay learn a lesson from last year and not rely so heavily on minutes from one to two guys during non-conference play? I think that's obvious. I think we talked about that a little bit before. And Jay doesn't have one or two guys to go to this year. So I think the reality of the situation is he's going to rely on the whole team to play together. All right. So we're done with that. Let's talk Ohio State. Oh, we have a game this week? We, we have, have two game. games. We have, two, we have games. two games. We're playing Ohio State and Ohio. We're checking all the Ohio boxes. Yeah, we got Ohio covered. <laughs> yeah. You don't need to spend, like, any time in Ohio. Look, I lived in Ohio for a number of years. You don't need to spend any time there. But we're we're really just going whole hog. So you have the Ohio State Buckeyes and the Ohio Bobcats. We're skipping the Bobcats. The only thing you need to know about the Ohio Bobcats is that they beat Georgetown in the NCAA tournament a few years ago. Oh, shit. Yikes. Other than that, Ohio State. We're going to focus on them. They're number 18 yeah. in the country. They they good. Okay? They good, yeah. They're good. Big 10, big win to start the year versus an in-state rival in Cincinnati. Shouts to Cincinnati. Shouts to Walter Smith Randolph. Indeed. Ohio State is a good team. High expectations for this year. Like Us made the round of 32 last year. Unlike Us brings back their entire roster. Yeah. So they're, Year on year. Yeah. And so, so what I'll call out there is two things. So, one, the Big Ten projected to be pretty good. You've got Michigan State, who is a top five Fuck team. Michigan State. I want to talk about this now before we even get to the Ohio oh, State God. preview. Good God. It's going to be a long pod, but you, you do you. a long pod. You do you. Fuck Michigan State. Okay. You know why I say fuck Michigan State? Because they don't want to play us. That's true. We do these Gavit games for like seven years now. I don't even know how long it's been. It's been a long time. It's bullshit. Michigan State hasn't played Villanova. There's no way that Jay's like... I don't want to play Tom Izzo. I think the takeaway is Tom Izzo is is afraid of Jay Wright. Tom Izzo is a little bitch. You heard it here. You heard it here first. Tom Izzo, little bitch. Little bitch. Yep. He doesn't want to play Jay Wright and Villanova. Why hasn't there been a Michigan State-Villanova game yet? It doesn't make any sense. It is bullshit. When they released the Gavit games, there should have been a Villanova-Michigan State game from the top, period, 
End of story. This is bullshit. Yeah, j- just to be clear, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, each year for the past X number of years, the Gavi games have taken place, which pits the Big East versus the Big Ten. Michigan State has been noticeably absent for a number of years of those games. They're now required to basically play the remainder of them. However, they've never played Villanova at this point. And the reason is Tom is a little, little bitch. bitch. Little bitch. You're here. Now that we've covered that, we're going to cover the Ohio State Buckeyes. It's going to be really tough when Villanova plays the number one college football, Ohio State Buckeyes. Yes, indeed. Luckily, our football team is not playing their football team. But yes, in any case, Ohio State, number 18, um, kind of like the third best team in the Big Ten. You've got Michigan State, top five team. You've got Maryland, kind of a top 10-ish team. And then you've got Ohio State there. And like what Chris mentioned earlier, they're bringing back a lot of key components of their roster. Namely the Wesson brothers. The Wesson brothers. They've got a set of brothers on their team. Named Wesson. Named Wesson. Caleb is the prime guy. He was their leading scorer last year. He tested the NBA waters last year. Decided to come back. He is a preseason all Big Ten selection. He is fucking huge. He's like 6'9". 270, and he is going to be a test. He's a problem for JRE. He's a problem. Like he, he can step out and shoot the J too. That's true, and he does actually. So he took I think a little over two threes a game last year, which is actually kind of crazy, and hit them at a decent clip, like 35 percent or so. So he's comfortable and actually relatively proficient. So for a guy like JRE, who yes, talented, um, you know, also around six nine, six ten. Not a huge guy. Wesson is going to have a little bit of a few pounds on him, for sure. It's going to be a challenge. Absolutely. But yes, him and his brother are definitely two guys to watch on Ohio yeah. State. His brother had like nine points a game last year. Yeah. Also good. Andre, I believe is his name. Yeah. So yeah. two guys to watch. Big contributor. Uh, Luther Muhammad is, I believe, their point guard who they brought back. Um, he was a strong point guard last year. Is this year again another guy to watch. Most interestingly, though, for me, is is actually Chris Holtman, their coach. Yeah, I think that's a key point. Yeah. So Chris Holtman, former coach at Butler. Yeah. I wouldn't say he. I wouldn't go so far as to say he had Jay's number. No, no. Because no. no one in the new Big East has had Jay's number. Absolutely. But as far as coaches went, Chris Holtman performed as well against Jay Wright as any other coach did. Yeah, he was very confident. He was. Very much when he left Butler to go to Ohio State was absolutely one of the top up and coming coaches in the country. Yeah, it was a big loss for the Big East that he went there, but you can't really fault him for it. No, you can't. And so Chris Holtman knows Jay Wright, knows how he likes to trot out those lineups, knows the style of basketball he's Jay not scared. likes to play. He's not scared of a guy because he knows Jay. So all of that's true. Moreover, we're at Ohio State. Value City Arena. (laughs) Love Value City Arena. Big fan. Which, I will give them credit, there are values there because the tickets to get in were like $9. Chris is not wrong. We checked this right before the podcast. Literally getting the door price, I think it was actually lower than that. It was dirt cheap. You could either buy a Starbucks coffee or go to the Ohio State Villanova game. Yeah, which is pretty crazy. So if there are any Villanova alums... Head out. 
any type of driving distance from Columbus, Ohio. Get out there. You have a fiduciary responsibility to go. Indeed. I like it. Last I like it. Uh, what's your prediction? I think we're going to lose by like 12 points. I think it's going to be like a six-point game in Ohio State's favor for the majority of the game. We might have a quick lead for a hot minute, but it's going to be like more like five to ten. And then we're going to foul. We're going to get a little bit close, but then with the fouls and everything, it'll turn actually into spreading the lead out to being like around okay. 10, 11, 12. Okay. It's not going to be like a blowout 12. I think it's going to be like a, a six-point game that turns into a 12-point game after all the fouls at the end. Okay, I'm going to go with uh, about a three-point loss. And it's going to be one of those kind of heartbreakers where we'll have a chance to tie it with a three with probably about like 40 seconds left. We'll probably miss the three and then we'll just kind of run off the clock. That's my guess. That said, as I talked about earlier, I will not be panicking after the loss. No. Uh, I think it'll be a not a high-scoring game. The Big Ten games don't typically go that way. Yeah, stab me in the eye. But I don't think it'll be low-scoring either. I think our team plays an up-tempo brand of basketball. And so I think that will be in the 70s, 80s type of game. Okay. Cool. All right. All right. I think that's it, right? That's it. And with that, we're going to sign off now. Thanks for listening. And as always, let's let's go go Nova. Nova.